Welcome to the 7th Amazing Race Canada recap episode of the URC Movement Podcast. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me as always is one Canadian who I happen to know vomits every time we're about to start recording the podcast, Logan Saunders. Evening. You can tweet us using the hashtag Yattencast or email us at yattencast at gmail.com, as always. So this was a bit of a better episode than last week, at least. You mean it was better than traveling around Sudbury? It was better than traveling around Sudbury, because at least Saskatchewan didn't pay any money. That is true. Um, I hear that Saskatoon actually went down in value after uh, Sean's little incident on Ellen the Plains. Yeah, something tells me that the First Nations people won't necessarily be that happy to, to accommodate a major race Canada again, given that it took them this long to actually have a First Nations task again. Yeah, well, just think that... Uh... Last time they went to Saskatchewan, we had, you know, the, you know, the province ended up humiliating uh, the body break couple by ruining their family-friendly image. Well, they ruined their own family-friendly image, really. Maybe that's where Saskatchewan used up all their Amazing Race Canada advertising money, is that they just paid off producers to air that quote from Hal and Joanne. And then when this year rolled around, they just didn't have any money to offer much of anything, so producers just got to do their thing. What is it about people in the fitness industry that means that they have to get eliminated in Saskatchewan? I don't know. That is a very good point, because Hal used to be a minor league baseball player, if I recall correctly, and then we get the all-CFL Hall of Famer uh, ousted this week. So, previously, eight teams kept on racing to Sudbury, Ontario. At the CSI detour, Nick and Matt proved that they have both brains and brawn but it wasn't enough to overtake the Volder Mussolini, who won the fast-forward and the leg. Brian and Cynthia should have breezed through both the detour and the roadblock, uh, given their police and paramedic backgrounds, but struggled at both and only got third place. Mick and Sabrina flatlined at the roadblock and were eliminated, and everyone crapped. And nobody else was mentioned in the previously on segment. It was just those three teams, which down the road is probably going to be a huge editing clue as to who could potentially win this thing. Yeah, and I think that might have been hinting at something else that I've written down for the episode, but we will get there. Oh, okay. Because I suspect that we will be seeing another U-turn fairly soon. Maybe not next week, but the week after. Oh yeah, it's for sure going to be happening when they enter India, I'm sure, over the next week or two. And teams must now fly to Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, the city of bridges, apparently. Todd Bridges? And head to the airport's tarmac to find their next clue. They have a toonie, not a spoonie, on their card for this leg of the race. Man, that's twice as much as they got the round where they got the loonie. They're they're really moving on up. I think they can pretty much tell when it's going to be a self-drive leg with how little money they get. Yes, because then just Chevrolet just puts the bill for the rest of it to uh, cover their funds for the round. Uh, Chevrolet just gives them electric cars so they don't need any petrol money. That really makes the petrol points redundant then. Five million points is useless if Chevrolet's just going to give you... uh, a hybrid vehicle. Which Suki and Jinder can then try and charge. Exactly. And the race day is Brent's birthday. Oh, Amazing Race 15 flashbacks. Oh, Amazing Race Canada 2 flashbacks. That as well. Well, there should be a chart of all of the racers who have been featured in a, in an episode of it being their birthday, and then another chart of other racers who did race on their birthday but not have it mentioned on air whatsoever. Yeah, and people who actually care. Yes. And in a shocking turn of events, Brent and Sean have to use their express pass by the end of the leg. That information really came out of nowhere. Yeah. Well, mainly because it. I think this season will go down 
along with well, the past few seasons of The Amazing Race, is just just a great lesson as to how pointless and irrelevant the Express Pass is as a twist. We had two of them this season, and once again, it just everyone now knows not to be humiliated by not using it when they're in a dire position, so now everyone just uses it when it's not really all that important. Well, I don't wish to harp on about after the race too much, but Hamilton did say, given that I've watched the first, what, 13 minutes of it, Hamilton did say that basically the Express Pass is irrelevant. Yes, I pretty much wrote down in my notes saying, yes, Hamilton, thank you for saying that to millions of people. And it was just it was just amazing as to how much he crapped all over the twist saying, you know what, it's you know what, Logan has been right all along on social media. This twist has never really impacted any season over the past ten or eleven international seasons that this has been put in play. Yeah, I only watched it to find out the bonus answer. Which sadly you got correct. Which weirdly, just gonna skip ahead to the pool. Weirdly, it means that Eamon and Michelle are now tied at 49 points, and you and I are both tied at 44. I told you, I'm, I'm, I'm creeping up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass everybody. And weirdly, you're now the most dangerous person, because you're the only one with uh, two non-illumination guesses left, and only three likes to use them. I am dangerous. If you don't guess a non-illumination next week, then I basically don't have to ask you that question again, because by default, you'll be doing it on legs, uh, legs 9 and 10. So, once teams get to the airport tarmac, they have an active route info, which is to use the board provided and find a combination of three Air Canada flights that will take 25 hours exactly, taking time zones into account to receive the next clue. And surprising no one, Brent and Sean use the Express Pass on that task without really trying. Well, yeah, it's an active route info is going to be probably the toughest task of the episode, so just use it and you will... Be in a safe spot, even though you're against competition, that's still left in the race that you're probably going to beat regardless if you use the Express Pass or not. And because it's a Canadian active route info, Dijon and Leilani and Neil and Kristen both take penalties. Well, yeah, two hours. We've said it before, but two-hour penalties, regardless of which team it is and how much I like them, two-hour penalty is still just too small for an amazing race task. It's being used for, like... This was also mentioned quite a bit in the after the race special, where the, actually multiple teams talked about it at great lengths. Both uh, Neil and Kristen and Nick and Sabrina did, where they said that uh, using the or taking the two-hour penalty to them wasn't giving up. It was just a strategic move to see that they would stay alive in the race. Yeah, and also, did you see Cormac from last season's whining about two-hour penalties? No, I did not. He was bitching on Twitter because people kept taking penalties. And that's giving up. And Nicole didn't give up. Exactly. Hashtag never give up Nicole. <laughs> I did rewatch the um, the after the race special from mid season last year, and James Duthy was horrible to seeking gender, especially as they weren't there to defend themselves. Yeah, that's the thing with James Duthy though. Like all he wants to do is talk about sports, and then you can tell that he didn't really have anything much of interest to say to the teams that were eliminated early on. For instance, the only questions he could come up with Susan and Sharon Jeep was if. They were talking about any sort of parent-child relationship, and then James Duffy would say, oh, Susan Sharnjeet, what, what do you think about this? Hey, you've got children. Yeah, you've got children. You've made babies. What do you think about this? <laughs> and then uh, what's an even more annoying on top of that is we still, on air, whether it be in, in the episode or in the After the Race special, we still don't get a clear explanation as to why Susan Sharnjeet 
finish so far behind the other teams in that second round. It's still a mystery unless you go into like exit interviews and try to look it up online. And also, what was the point of asking people to send in questions when, as far as I know, he didn't read any of them? No, it was just those casual fan uh, statements like, Oh, God, you're such an inspiration. You're the best. Um, is Jet and Cord on this season? Uh, when are you going to bring Margie and Luke back for a fourth time? Uh, just stuff that, you know, I guess it's neat to be a casual fan and have some random message of praise and see it posted on TV, but... Yeah, they weren't interested in posting any good questions at all to the other teams. I mean, come on, we need to know the answer to important questions like FMK, Duffy, Monty, and uh, Phil. Yeah, oh, Ding, Mary, Kill with the... Yeah, that, that should have been asked to one of the teams. I really wanted Dana and Amanda to uh, say which member of NWA they most identify with, but that didn't happen either. In fact, Amanda didn't even show up for the After the Race special, which I don't know if she had personal issues going on or if she intentionally didn't show up because she knew that I, Logan Saunders, would find that hilarious. You cannot have an After the Race special without finding out Max and Eliza's favorite type of olive. <laughs> it just shouldn't be allowed. And we get glimpses as to how big a characters Max and Elias would have been if they survived past the first round. And of course, Max and Elias' elimination was really just a commercial for James Duffy to promote his own career in sportscasting. You mean the thing that you keep accusing James Duffy of and getting in trouble with James Duffy of accusing him for, in other words, making everything about himself, actually happens? Yeah, that's that's what happened in the After the Race special. It's like, here, Elias, this is where you went wrong, and it's just him at the TSN roadblock and showing all of Duffy's stupid reactions because he... Loves photobombing for the camera. Uh, I, I love that you have a minor feud with James Duffy. Hashtag Duffy Yattencast feud. Let's get that trending. Hashtag Duffy Logan feud. I'm not getting involved. <laughs> I don't think Duffy covers any, any British uh, sports activities. This is going to be way funnier if you actually get cast and then have to go in and after the race special yourself. I would own Duffy if he uh, if he tried to take control of the interview on the a- after the race special, but I wouldn't even be on there because I would make it all the way to the end, so I wouldn't have to worry about that. Yeah, you'd have to be on the last one though. Yeah, all the teams appear on the last one. You can't get out of that. Uh, so Neil and Kristen fight about taking the penalty, and Gino and Jesse become the new Nick and Matt and lead three teams themselves, Nick and Matt and Brian and Cynthia through the tests and how to do it correctly. And they are the first three teams to actually complete the challenge, leaving fourth, fifth, and sixth place. And Simi and Opie get a hint from the judge and leaving last. And after that, it's a roadblock. Yeah, just with in regards to that Air Canada task, is this this is the first task where they incorporated their own uh, uh, product day in any of the three seasons? Yeah, I think so. But yeah, it's funny because this challenge, because uh, I'm somewhat known online for hosting like online adaptations of uh, rea- reality games. And there's the Sarah Canada challenge is very similar to a challenge I've hosted on three separate occasions now. And I think if the online community or members of the online community who have played on my games, they would have done extremely well at this. And so would I, and I would have as well. So what you're saying is people should play your ORGs before going on Amazing Race Canada? 
Yeah, it prepares you well for it, apparently. I was not expecting that. And it brought me to another point, because people who play my games are, you know, super intense people that are extremely bright and do puzzles and stuff. And unfortunately, people like that do not often get cast for reality shows. And with this cast, I don't think they do my type of challenges on a regular basis in their spare time at home, where it's like intense puzzles and stuff. So when I saw this challenge pop up, I, I immediately thought at least one team is going to take a penalty, or it's going to be like the library task in Halifax, where everybody's going to find the task to be so unfun that they all force themselves to work together and just try to complete the task by a process of elimination or just figuring it all out as a team. Yeah, if they tried doing that, it would take them forever, though. Yeah, it wouldn't have worked this time, but, it, but pretty much it was... Sort of a coalition saying, hey, producers are trying to screw us with a just a not fun challenge. Challenge. Uh, let's all come together, uh, get through this, and then it's game on after that. Yeah, I liked that challenge, though. I thought it was a funny, at least a fun challenge for, to surprise them with. Yeah. I mean, Brian and Cynthia, they said they couldn't even, uh, they need their shoes off to count past ten, but... As far as I know, they kept their shoes on because they, they just let uh, Gino and Jesse, the Voldemus Lanes, do all the work. So after the Ekander task, it's a roadblock, which is who's ready to jump. And in this roadblock, one team member must complete three trampoline exercises, jumping between nine trampolines in order, jumping over a stack of three blocks, and ringing a bell suspended over the trampoline to receive their next clue. And it was Brent, Dijon, Neil, Nick, Jesse, Brian, and Opie doing the roadblock. Back to the Air Canada task. Do you think that Captain Pat knows that there's a 60 minutes an hour as opposed to 100 minutes? I think he's probably aware of that, yes. And it's also amazing that Captain Pat got to be introduced this round because the musicians at the pit stop last leg weren't even mentioned by name, but yet, you know, Captain Pat gets name-dropped by Monty just like that. Yeah, I need to mention that because... I was looking at Reddit, as I do quite a lot, and someone reckoned that there's going to be a musical-related memory challenge hmm. because of the pit stop greeters. But we've had three pit stop greeters out of seven now who haven't been musical. Yeah, that theory is, just, is shot down, I think. Otherwise, it's a crappy memory task. They become The memory tasks at the end of the season have become so random now because producers know that contestants will be expecting it, so they try to go with something really abstract or it not be a memory challenge at all. I mean, Canada does love a memory challenge, so I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened, but I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't happen either. And at the roadblock, Sean tells Brent that it's time to get high. Yeah, I was expecting Styles P's uh, uh, get high to start playing as Brent was jumping on the, or Sean was jumping on the trampoline. Oh no, it was Brent jumping was on the Brent, trampoline, yeah. sir. Yeah, as Brent was jumping on the trampoline, especially when uh, Jesse, when he flails his legs as his face is about to hit the canvas. Um, they should have shown that in slow motion and then play Styles P's uh, get high in the background. Yeah, I thought that was a quote from last season with Mickey and Pete doing this challenge. Yeah, they actually helped co-write this song with Styles P. And in fact, if you go back e even further to the song that was sampled back in the 60s by Frida Payne, that's also titled uh, Get High, um, I believe Mickey and Pete's uh, parents uh, helped write the lyrics for that. 
Yeah, that that's how their families became friends, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, you know, the sixties Motown, uh, the sixties Motown scene really got out to Muskoka, Ontario, and the creative juices were flowing. And next thing you know, Frida Payne is a big star in the sixties, and Mickey and Pizza friendship is slowly in the making at that point. It's a prequel. So Brent and Sean are the first to leave the roadblock. With Dujan and Leilani in second, Nick and Matt and Gino and Jesse in third and fourth. Then we have Neil and Kristen in fifth, Brian and Cynthia in sixth, and Simi and Opie in last. And teams must now head to Great Western Brewing Company to find the next clue. I think that with the trampoline task, not only would I have rocked the airplane task, because I'm not really, on the podcast I don't really say like, oh I'd be awesome at this or awesome at that. He does offer. But between the airplane task and this trampoline one, I think if you combine those two things into a sport, I would be a legend because I did have a trampoline throughout most of childhood, and I could get some pretty good height on that and have really good balance. I I definitely have trampoline legs. So you're a trampolinist, not a trampolinist. Uh, Yes, I am the undiscovered Kyle Schufelt of the trampoline, who I'm amazed wasn't in this episode because he is from the prairies, and and he is an Olympic medalist, well, the first won the first Olympic medalist ever at the trampoline event at the Olympics back in uh, Sydney, I think, was when they first introduced the trampoline event. So, you know, Kyle Schufelt should have been a shoe-in for uh, being a presenter of the clue uh, at the roadblock here. Especially, And he could have giggled so much at Brian doing his weird somersault flips on the first portion. I haven't seen anybody that uncoordinated on the trampoline before. It's a real shame I couldn't screen grab much of that, because they were moving a bit too quick. But I wanted to screen grab Brian. <laughs> Side flip. Uh, uh, every time I picture that, it just kills me. Because he, <laughs> he doesn't know how... He's not used to the momentum of a trampoline at all, that he does a side flip into the 7th or 8th uh, square. And... Once they get to the Brewing Company, it's another active route info, which is using the cap that they received in their last clue, they must search for 15 identical bottle caps in a vat of 300. Once they have all 16, they receive their next clue. Yeah, a lot of uh, callbacks to the Saskatchewan round from two years ago, where now it's another find several, find several needles in a haystack. Just like with, what was the thing that they had to find in the Saskatchewan, like from first season? That was, uh, wasn't it like two, yeah, two mooses or mises or mises? It was moose toys in a vat of lentils. Yeah, this is a bit less random, this go around. Uh, bottle caps and a pile of bottle caps, uh, makes more sense. Yeah, it was a bit easier as well. I think that this task was designed to sort of rectify the mistakes of the first Saskatchewan leg. Because I don't think it took anyone more than about ten minutes. Doesn't look like it, no. I thought it would be tough, like they would have way too many or make the ball caps they need to find a lot more subtle. But most of the teams just uh, flew through this. Apparently Dujon is a master beer ball cap master. However, this task is responsible for my theory that actually when we see another U-turn, Nick and Matt are probably going to U-turn Gino and Jesse. I think it's going to be Nick and Matt who do it. For sure. We talked last week about how Gino and Jesse are probably going to get the U-turn... I think Nick and Matt will be responsible now because of the rivalry that they seem to be setting up. I would like to add to that and say that if it's a double U-turn, that Brian and Cynthia are going to be in on the plan by U-turning another team pointlessly just to ensure that Gino and Jesse can't save themselves by U-turning a bottom feeder. I would be very surprised if Nick and Matt don't U-turn Gino and Jesse. 
We'll turn heel. The hate machine is back. I think I'm ready to pronounce Nick and Matt probably are going to be our winners as well. Aren't? No, I think they are. Oh. I know you still think Dijon and Leilani, but I just... I think Nick and Matt keep getting the weird little scenes that Amy and Maya always got. No. (laughs) You're wrong, Logan. We'll see. You're wrong? Okay, so shut up. (laughs) (laughs) You've been making my podcasting life hell since day one. Yes, Eliza. (laughs) Speaking of... So I had the Amazing Race 15 flashback with it being Brent's birthday, because it was similar to Flight Time's birthday. And... I thought of flight time again with Brent on the trampoline as well. So he got flight time and and uh, win on his birthday. Like so, that's two similarities, two very specific similarities to the Harlem Globetrotters that Brent has. And fun facts: Brent decided to troll uh, Nick and Sabrina when they were trying to go down a ninety-foot water slide. Yes, Nick. Yeah, that's that's very true. Uh, you know, Nick really didn't want to go down the water slide, and they had all they they had this huge lead. So I think Nick did really good at a Dubai uh, snowman teleprompting task. I think, and you know, he all he has to do is go down this water slide, and him and Sabrina are safe for the round. And then uh, Brent and Sean somehow managed to pick up Italian and told uh, Nick discreetly in Italian that it'd be too scary for him to go down the water slide. And then Nick got psyched out, and then. Brent went down the water slide, and then Sean tried to go down, but then he started dry heaving, and then he just did these weird somersault rolls into the uh, water slide, and I think he came out, like, ups, uh, upside down at the bottom, and then sort of just stumbled his way onto the mat. Also, I know that they were eliminated last week, but, you know, they're by far the best team of the season. Nick and Sabrina's responses to people on the Facebook page. Discuss. Oh, yes. Um, so, yeah, at the end of the Sudbury round... Uh, well, on Tuesday, every Tuesday, the Amazing Race Canada official Facebook page always likes to do this dedication of, oh, if you have any positive thoughts about the eliminated team, please post them here. But you know what happens most of the time? It's just a way for viewers to air out the last bit of hatred they have for whoever just got eliminated, and it's rarely people praising the team that got eliminated, unless it's Dane and Amanda for some weird reason, because they don't remember who they are. But, yeah, because they did this with Nick and Sabrina, I mean, the official fan page, whoever is the admin for that, must have known that he's just, or maybe he or she, is just opening the floodgates to the worst insults possible. And sure enough, that's exactly what happens. And Nick and Sabrina, quite frankly, are mucho uh, grande tired of it. Mucho grande fatigue. Bit of French, that's Yeah, if you get a chance, I'm assuming the post is still up, if you get a chance, look at the Amazing Race Canada Facebook page. Because Nick and Sabrina were so awesome in terms of responding to trolls. I had such a laugh when I was reading some of them. Because I don't think anyone expected uh, Nick or Sabrina to say, listen, get out of your mother's basement, basically. Go get a life. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't so much that. It was just pointing out everything that was hypocritical about the criticisms they were receiving. And you can tell on the After the Race special that they were definitely responding to a fair amount of their haters. Well, Neil and Kristen did the same thing because they were somewhat in the same boat where a lot of the fan base turned against them for taking the two-hour penalty as well. And for Kristen, quote-unquote, complaining uh, because of her full body cramps. Yeah, uh, she did explain it on the After the Race special that, you know, they were in three feet of sand 
there was snow around the corner. Probably wasn't the warmest. Yeah. They should have shown the snow just to give viewers an idea of how terrifyingly cold that would be. Oh, they were too busy showing the crazy Quebecois man. <laughs> Guess the, the kayaking guy. So, Brent and Sean are the first to lead the second active route info, with Dijon and Leilani in second, Gino and Jesse in third, Nick and Matt in fourth, Brandon's in three and fifth, Neil and Kristen in sixth, and Simeon OP in last. And it's a detour, which is Nimituk or Mipwap. What? What was the, what were those two words? Nimituk and Mikwap. Please don't make me say them repeatedly. What did, what did Simi take? Oh, Nimituk, that's what's in my notes. Nimituk, not nuts. Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought you said Simituk. No, Nimituk. Okay. Uh, and the other one was what? Mikwap. M-I-K-W-A-P. Oh, okay. I thought it was Nickwap, and that was like Nick's nickname in, uh, in some Italian university. But no, yeah, this is yeah, this is definitely the most unique names they've had for Detour. And, and all jokes aside, it is pretty awesome that they went with the legit First Nations Detour and kept true to the names of the tasks. What do you reckon Hamilton and Michaela were probably quite disappointed about this task appearing now? given that she's First Nations. Right. Yes. She is. If she was around for this, she probably could have gotten a whole scene to herself, but unfortunately that was not the case. And this is the first proper First Nations thing that they've done as well in Amazing Race Canada. Uh, I haven't seen the Amazing Race Australia seasons, but it sounds a lot like the detour they did in their Vancouver leg, is yeah. it not? Um, well, they... They didn't do this as a detour, I seem to remember, but they did do a First Nations uh, blessing when they got to Vancouver. I thought they did something involving a teepee, though. The first thing that they did when they flew from Cuba to Canada was going to Stanley Park, where they had to find the totem poles and participate in a traditional First Nations dance before receiving a blessing by the chief. I see. With the Air, with the Air Canada task, do you think... how was, I, in my opinion, one of the sillier decisions made this season was for Simi and Opie to not enter the coalition for them all to complete the task at the same time. Oh, 100%, yes. That was, I think, out of all the things that's happened so far this season, I think that might might be the worst decision I've seen. And yet they still didn't get eliminated. I know. Like, each week they flip-flop back and forth between detour options. Uh, they're not comfortable with water at all. Um, and they haven't really particularly excelled at any task compared to other teams, except Simi in the operating room last week, but they, they're always right near the bottom of the standings, and in fact, they've even finished in last place once already, and they're, they're still kicking. They're still, they're still alive in the race, and that's pretty crazy. I know that three of us this week thought that they would get eliminated. And they pretty much would have been. They would have been. If there was, if uh, Neil and Kristen waited just a little bit longer to see if the alliance would go through and form that uh, coalition to get past the Air Canada task, uh, Nopi probably lose this round by at least an hour or so. Seriously, they have such a, a small edit that they have to go soon. I know, even this round, they didn't, all, all we got from Siminope, I mean, their edit was a bit more this week, but it was still fairly minimal, and we went from Opie can't swim to uh, Opie can't jump on a trampoline. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is about Opie and Neil and Brian all having to do the trampoline task, but you don't really get to see men over the age of fifty try their hand on a trampoline for the first time and 
all of them uh, contributed to a great deal of entertainment. Disappointingly, we missed out on uh, Cynthia doing the trampoline task. She's been jumping on the trampoline way longer than you, bud. <laughs> exactly. Cynthia doing that task would have been amazing. Oh, the screen caps that we missed out on. And Brian and Cynthia get lost on their way to the detour. Yeah, even though they're from the prairies. I mean, how do you get lost in the prairies anyway? Couldn't you just see where you need to go from the other side of town? Just because everything's so flat? Same with Holland. You can pretty much see the entirety of Holland from one side or the other. The only obstruction is the windmill, if I'm not mistaken, and the red lights. And Nick and Matt decide that they're going to do uh, Mikwap because Matt's been dreaming of uh, building a teepee. And Nick's been dreaming of eating sandwiches and pancakes. (laughs) Sounds like uh, my dad's type of dreams. Nick and Matt did have a fun week, if nothing else. Despite the fact that they did drop three places, they got a lot of airtime this week. Yeah, a lot of fun on their part, especially because you you don't really uh, know that professional or amateur wrestlers do a lot of trampoline exercises. Which makes sense because any kid growing up that had a trampoline did mock professional wrestling and try to do stunts that they're not supposed to attempt at home. A lot of people mock professional wrestling, Logan. Yeah, but like a tramp- I mean, the trampoline is almost set up like a wrestling ring, and it's tough to own a trampoline without having like your own fake uh, pro wrestling pay-per-view thing. Without doing like elbow smashes into people's faces, that sort of thing. Yeah, there's actually one time, uh, it wasn't on a trampoline though, where... My brother uh, practiced a move, and uh, let's just say I ended up with a trip to the hospital. I love it. <laughs> so, in Nimituk, teams must learn a First Nations hoop dance and how to create five spirit animals with the hoops. Once they correctly perform it, they receive their next clue. And in Mikwap, teams must build a TP to receive the next clue. So, yay. I had a friend named TP in university. He was in First Nations, though. He was from Zimbabwe. I think it's, he has a much longer name, but like nobody, maybe nobody could pronounce it, so I think we just nickname him TP. So Neil and Kristen initially pick Mikwap, uh, and then they switch to Nimituk, and Neil ends up choking himself out. Choke, yeah. Cho- choked to death by uh, Hula Hoop. Uh, I think Alvin from the Chipmunks. He he, he uh, may have... Uh, Rethought his uh, what his uh, Christmas wish list after seeing Neil do that, and Nick and Matt also switched to Nimituk after really struggling and losing out to Gino and Jesse again. And Brent and Sean are the first to leave the detour. They leave Nimituk in first. Uh, Gino and Jesse leave Mikwap in second. Dijon and Leilani leave Nimituk in third. Neil and Christian leave it in fourth. Uh, Brent and Cynthia leave Mikwap in fifth. And Nick and Matt leave Nimituk in sixth, and Siminopi leave Nimituk in last. And teams must now head to the pit stop, which is the Wanuskewin lookout point. The last teams to check in here may be eliminated. Nick and Matt at the detour with dancing. I think out of all the teams' outfits, I think their baby blue uh, dancing outfits were the best. Colorblind, so you know, don't tell the difference anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. I always keep forgetting. So, what? So, the, what do the outfits all look like to you? Do they all just look gray? I'm I'm not that colorblind. I'm, I just just joke. Just exploit it to uh, get certain perks within England. There, like, oh, oh, I need to, uh, you know, I, you know, I need this first class seat. You know, colorblind. No, it's it's only from far away. 
and combinations of colours that I can't exactly pick out occasionally. Why did you throw that plate of food against the, the wall? Colourblind. You know, colourblind, come on. Just explain it the same way as Peter Griffin did on uh, Family Guy. <laughs> <laughs> and now we get to my favourite bit of the episode, the bit that I have been waiting to talk about. Oh, Brent and Sean entering the mat. <laughs> the thing about with them entering the mat, I think, I mean, I'm, I still haven't decided yet whether it tops uh, Tremel and Talisha's entrance in the Amazing Race 3, but the thing is, is that they had a, they, they were in sight of the pit stop. They probably had, what, about a minute lead on Gino and Jesse? I'd say so, yeah. And so they had plenty of time to get to the pit stop mat safely where they didn't have to be sprinting or going all out. But yet they were absent to do so, even though they're also not in any danger of being eliminated. And, you know, Sean just does the whole, oh, you know, you got to ditch the backpack before you hit the mat as long as it's within the uh, John Montgomery's uh, eyesight uh, or line of sight, uh, and it's fun. Yeah, which in the prairies is like 50 miles, may I point out. Yeah, they could have been having the round in Winnipeg and uh, Monty and then go on their way to the pit stop and Monty would still be able to see them. But uh, yeah, that he, but Sean does the whole, like with most teams when they ditch the backpack, they, you know, it's just smooth. It just slides off the shoulders and you just keep running with both arms. But with Sean, his backpack must've just completely outweighed any strength he had left in his arms for the day. And the backpack just takes them to the ground he does a, like a sideward uh, flip on the ground, tries to get back up on his feet, dry heaves, vomits some more, and then just claws his way to the mat. And he still had another like 30 seconds of time he could have taken to not have such a volatile arrival, but he was determined to get to the mat right then. My favorite thing of the entire thing is the fact that this was set up six weeks ago. This is a brilliant editing joke. Mm-hmm. Because the first impression that we got of Brent and Sean was Sean vomiting in Quebec on the ferry to Levy. Then he vomits again when he returns to Quebec. And then last week, Brent said in the roadblock, oh, Sean, uh, Sean is at risk of vomiting when he gets himself worked up. And now we mm-hmm. get not only Sean vomiting, but Brent vomiting. But Sean it's tripping, contagious. But Sean dripping over his backpack. And then Sean vomiting more, and Monty absolutely losing, and the greeter just looking at him as if to say, "You've just vomited on sacred land." Yeah, if, if, it were, if this were, uh, there's a, a series of novels that my dad used to read, and I read a couple of them as well. It's a First Nations, uh, like uh, crime mystery novel, and it's a series of books done by Tony Hillerman, and it was about, it was more about like the Navajo groups uh, around the Four Corners area in the U.S. And it combines crime with uh, First Nations uh, culture. So I think that a novel like that could be started up by Sean vomiting over sacred land. But yeah, that entire scene is just awesome. That's maybe my favourite piece of Amazing Race Canada editing. It, It definitely in the entire season, if not the entire series. Well, you can't get much better than a running vomiting joke. No, but the fact that within 30 seconds we just have all these callbacks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just amazing. The only way it would have been better is if it happened to Shala and Nabila. Stop mentioning Shala and Nabila every week. <laughs> Actually, speaking of running jokes, do you notice that when 
Nick and Matt switched away from doing the TP task because they failed it five or six times or whatever it was, and they go to the dancing, and they just fail miserably at it. The the First Nations people were laughing at them, and that's just rude. They've been trying to trying to do Nimitok all their life. <laughs> They've been trying to do Nimitok their whole lives. <laughs> And they've had to live with being professional wrestlers. <laughs> and then they just laugh at them. And that's rude. But yeah, as much as I criticised the editing last week because it was really boring and hid Nick and Sabrina, who eventually went home, so we should have seen a lot more of them. Well done to the editors is all I have to say for this week. That was a very, very, very well edited scene. I wonder if Brett and Sean vomited because... In a deleted scene, they sampled a lot of the great Western beer uh, that they really wanted to, that they said on air that they wanted to try out. Yeah, Monty probably didn't want that included in the edit because the only beer that's allowed to be talked about is his. Yeah, this is the second episode that's talked about a beer that would be in competition with Monty's. We had the one in Halifax being delivered to the restaurants, and then this week in the Plains, uh, we, in Saskatoon, we uh, get a brewery in there, and, Mo- and Monty's probably thinking, what the heck, guys, I worked for you for three straight years, and you're encouraging Canadians to buy beer that isn't mine. We even had the Okanagan leg as the series premiere, and they were at wineries and stuff. So, Brent and Sean check in first in spectacular style, and they win flights to Paris and a year of petrol. That's better than the prize of flying to Sudbury. It is. And being a part of the nitrous oxide apocalypse or whatever it was that happened uh, right when the Sudbury episode aired last week. Nitrous oxide? Wasn't that part of the roadblock in Amazing Race 25's Malta leg? Yes, it was the laughing gas, because Bethany, Bethany Hamilton really liked that leg, that is true. At where the roadblock hint was, who wants to laughing gas at them? And Gina and Jesse coming second, and Dijon and Leilani are the third team to arrive, but must wait out their two-hour penalty. How is, what is that for a penalty? You, you wait out a whole two hour penalty and your position doesn't change. Is that the longest penalty without any change in the standings? In recent memory, yes. Cause that, cause even in Amazing Race 7, all those teams at least dropped one or two spots with teams that checked after them, but here we have, we have a team that sat in the middle of a field in Saskatchewan and in true Saskatchewan and Prairie fashion, nobody came for two hours. Well, other than Neil and Kristen, who also had a two-hour penalty. But nobody else came. They were just, you know, just sitting in the middle of nowhere, waiting for the time to run out. Yeah, and they would have had to strategically uh, sit, because otherwise they'd be sat in Sean's vomit. Yeah, at least they picked a good spot. And but Dijon and Leilani, I'm, I've noticed that even though there's been three dancing tasks, I guess, yeah. or if you count synchronized swimming as a form of dance... There's been so many dancing tasks, and yet when Dujon and Leilani fail at an attempt, editors don't harp on it as much as when other teams fail at a task that somewhat relates to their profession. On that note, who were the top three teams on uh, the Fury Favourite? Because I haven't watched that far yet. Obviously Gino and Jesse and Dana and Amanda, but who's the third? Oh, did you see the part in the after the race special where Dana said, oh, we are second on the Fury Favourite uh, standings, and she said this about... 10 or 15 minutes into the after race, after the race special, uh, you know, because all the way up to that point, James Suffley said, and tune in later when we reveal, reveal the top three for the vote for your, or fuel your favorite. 
And then Dana said, oh, uh, right before I got here, I checked that we're number two, which was pretty amazing. <laughs> and then uh, Duffy just gives her this uh, sort of W2TF look as if she just spoiled their own surprise for the end of the episode. But yeah, she was right, though. Um, somehow, after four episodes since they were edited with one, or since they were eliminated with one of the smallest edits in Amazing Race history, Dana and Amanda are indeed second in the Fuel Your Favorite, which means maybe nobody is voting at all. Uh, first place is indeed the Volvo Mussolini's, also known as Gino and Jesse. And third place is the CFL Hall of Famer and Kristen. Yeah, Neil and Kristen are number three right now. I think that may change because this is, I mean, they announced this at the end of the after the race special, which means the people who voted hadn't even seen Neil and Kristen's two-hour penalty and uh, elimination from this episode take place, but yeah, that's the. It's a very weird top three. Having said that, Pierre and the Michels were in uh, the top three at the first after the race special last year, and Cormac and Nicole weren't. Make of that what you will. I suspect that I'm surprised Nick and Matt aren't up there actually. I'm even more surprised that with Britain Shaw not receiving a single negative word about them on social media, that they're not top three. That Dane and Amanda are beating them. I mean, our feelings on the Volta Mussolini's are quite apparent. Well, casual fans are just all crazy about them. Yeah, mainly because they're so active on the Amazing Race Canada Facebook page. Yeah, I'm surprised that when uh, when Gino and Jesse entered the First Nations area, that they didn't that they uh, didn't tell them tell the dancers there and say, "Hey, um, we know there wasn't a First Nations team cast on this season." But we have a friend of ours who is First Nations, so by proxy, we think that we, by us being on the Amazing Race, we're actually representing all of you guys. So not only are we representing Italy, uh, Hamilton, Ontario, and the province of Alberta, we're also going to, you can also call uh, us as your First Nations representatives on this season of the Amazing Race. I am surprised they haven't cast a First Nations team yet. Yeah, I mean, the amazing our Big Brother Canada had Suzette on the first season, and she was she was hilarious. So just with living around uh, in my town and having a fair amount of uh, friends who are of First Nations descent, um, it just yeah, it's a bit surprising that nobody from that demographic has has been cast yet. Surely Suzette has a partner that she can take with her. Are we? Are you already suggesting reality TV crossovers within the Canadian TV industry, Michael? I'm suggesting you have to podcast about Suzette for a season. <laughs> <laughs> for no other reason that I know you love Suzette. Only if we bring on Anil to podcast with us and talk about how much of an inspiration he is, and then we just get, and then try to make Anil cuss us out uh, at every turn, just to let him have the tables reversed. So, Dijon and Leilani are the third to check in, uh, with Brandon Sintry in fourth, Nick and Matt in fifth, Simeon Opie in sixth, and, sorry, seventh, and Neil and Kristen in last. Yeah, well, it was just a rough round for Neil because, I mean, he was a bit, on the after the race special too, he went on a big ranch from the, the Chile leg where he said, oh, you know, taking the penalty isn't really a good idea unless you're being very strategic about it. And then here we are in the Saskatoon leg. I mean, he's still saying it was a strategic move to take the two-hour penalty. But, I mean, he did it just, he made that decision, I think, just a bit too quickly. 
And then not only can the white man not do math, but at the trampoline, the white man can also not jump. So two stereotypes reinforced within the first two tasks. And then he had to try and dance as well with hula hoops. And I have a feeling that wasn't part of his CFL training camp. So this was a full round of Neil not being able to uh, do anything that suits his strengths other than finding bottle caps. Do you think that production are going to change the two-hour penalty, or are they going to leave it like that? Oh, I think it's going to be changed. Because it's just gotten... It just became such a big topic this year. And if they don't change it, I think what will happen is that instead, active route infos will become a bit easier. It's going to be one of the two changes happening. I don't know what it will be, but production's going to probably see the long list of penalties that have been taken so far this season and think either, A, this might be a bit too difficult, even though we need to stand out from the American version when we're limited to traveling to places like Sudbury, or B, maybe make the tasks, uh, uh, I don't know, mask how easy the task is in terms of difficulty, and just go with that. I wouldn't be surprised if they keep the penalty the same purely because it keeps people talking about the show. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, if if they do either change the difficulty or change the penalty time, it's probably going to make it less fun to talk about. Because mm-hmm. there's less strategy if it's a four- or six-hour penalty. Also, what the hell was happening with Simeon Opie's placement? Because John Montgomery can't count. Like, there was a... It took me a co- or it took me a... till this morning to remember the Season 1 incident, but in Season 1, there was an incident where... I think it was... Brenton Holly and uh, somebody else agreed to, I think Jody and Corey, they agreed to take second place as a tie. So when John Montgomery was checking teams in, he said, oh, start out with, oh, you're team number one. And then he, and then when Brenton Holly and Jody and Corey agreed for the tie, they, he said, oh, you guys are both team number two. And then the next team came in and he said, oh, you're team number three. And I'm sitting at home thinking, Monty, that's, that's not what you say to a team after uh, a tie there. You, they're team number four, guy. <laughs> you don't suddenly drop the number of teams that are in the list. And then and then here we are uh, this week, and there's nothing that should confuse Monty at all. And he outright says, see me, Nopi, you're team number seven, which makes Neil and Kristen the last team to arrive. So suddenly there's an invisible eighth team, which could be Either Jeremy and Sandy from The Amazing Race 19, or perhaps Amanda and Chris, or whatever their names are, from Amazing Race 14, that were added without her knowledge. So, you know, it, it brings a question as to what's really going on in The Amazing Race and how deceptive the editing is. Fun fact, Dana and Miranda actually didn't get eliminated in Leg 3 and are still in the race. They're just that invisible. That's why they're second in the Fuel Your Favourite poll. Yeah, they're using James Potter's uh, cloak. Um, and it was Vanessa and Selena who were told they were team number three in leg six. So, next time, we have a trip to Calcutta. I believe we're getting two legs in India, although I'm confirmed still. Oh I no, said... they're going to fly all the way out to India, and then they're just going to send them right back to Canada the very next leg. Oh no, no I mean, I, th- I don't think there's any other hidden countries that we don't know about. I I think Monty did say that they went to Delhi as well. It's funny because in the earlier seasons we get uh, of Amazing Race, 
They went to India a lot, like a ridiculous amount to where it's like, oh, I guess we're going to go to India at some point this season, and sure enough, you'd be right. But the last visit to India, if I'm not mistaken, in an English-speaking international version, is indeed the Amazing Race 20. They really, really haven't been there for absolutely forever. Is it that politically unstable? Is it just just too, even too populated even in the past few years to comfortably film around there? What's the deal? I think they're just sensing a bit of fatigue. People getting a bit bored of seeing the same countries every year. I'm fully on board with uh, keeping away from that fatigue. I mean, I've only seen Sudbury once, and I think I'm going to have permanent, chronic Sudbury fatigue. Do you think that even the people of India will comment on Gino and Jesse as two annoying mosquitoes? I don't know how you say it in Hindi, but I I would assume they'd be saying it. And uh, what else from this round? Do Do you think Monty was brave enough to try any of that beer? I don't think Monty would risk being seen with any beer other than his own. Although I did notice that he, as part of his charity thing of Water Aid, he is giving away a signed picture of beer. Has the beer signature on it? Not as in taking a picture, as in the picture that he walked down the streets of Whistler with. Oh, okay. Okay. That makes sense. Um, That's one of the levels of uh, support that you can give. It would be even better if Monty went to try and drink the beer, but then Kristen took it away from him, and then when she went to open the beer... uh, when she pulled on the lid there, uh, she broke a nail and the nail fell into the can and then just discreetly gave it back to Monty. And then she and then she wouldn't shut up about it. Yeah, I like that Duthie actually asked Kristen if she ever shuts up. Duthie came off and it was interesting because he said, I think he said, oh, hey, Kristen, you never stop talking. Hey, Sabrina, you never stop talking. And I'm thinking, oh, um, Duthie... I think if you say that to one more person who happens to be female, you might be raising a few eyebrows. So, yeah, Cal for next week, uh, and we have Chaos in fighting, and... Is that Chaos with a C or with a K? With a K. Okay. And it, what looks like a yoga task, which is going to be interesting. Yeah, Delcine from Street Fighter will be making an appearance. We've not had a yoga task in India, I believe, since... Uh... Amazing Race 12? Since Amazing Race 12. With Kinton Vixen at the speed bump? With the, with the tongues, with the... <laughs> Thank you for, for giving me another sound to add to the soundboard, Logan. <laughs> and then Kint making weird comments about Vixen contorting herself and him watching her contort herself. But yeah, yoga task. I hope Delcim is indeed an instructor and he teaches them how to do yoga flames and yoga fires. And then, and then uh, Nick and Matt will really, really appreciate that because they've seen Street Fighter the movie and unfortunately they just have Delcim play a doctor in the movie and he doesn't do a single yoga flame or a single yoga fire so Nick and Matt will finally get their chance. So what do you expect is going to happen next week? Um, well, I don't think we'll have the U-turn right away but... I think there is a good chance that this round will be the non-elimination leg of the season. I can't believe I'm saying that, but that's that's how the season is structured. It's just there's just going to be one traditional non-elimination leg, and if it's not, I'd be surprised if it's not this week. And which means that 
We're probably going to have a lot of equalizers by the start of the by the time they get to Kolkata, and I don't know who will be at the bottom. I don't think Siminopi will have to worry about any water tasks uh, in a place like that. I have a feeling not much water can exist in a, you know 45 degree heat or whatever it was uh, at that time. And I think actually I think teams like uh, this is what I was saying that before the season started that there's the same team is always going to dominate in specific Canada lakes where they're going to do very well, and that's why Mason Race Canada needs to travel internationally because it tests who the truly strong racers are. And I think that we're going to see a shift in the standings for next week. It's not going to be Gino and Jesse and Nick and Matt and Brian and Cynthia all doing consistently well. I think it's going to be it's everyone's going to have their uh, going to have their routine thrown off, and they're going to have to experience what it's like to be an Amazing Race Australia contestant or an Asia contestant or an American contestant. It's time to get back into the big leagues for two rounds and. Hopefully it inspires producers to do this a lot more in upcoming seasons. But this does mean that we're going to get more casual fan complaints on the Amazing Race Canada page going, oh, why do you have to travel internationally? It's Amazing Race Canada. I have, in BC, like, a huge percentage of our minority population is East Indian. Like, it's just, uh, there's such a strong connection there. It just seems so weird that... Going to India is somehow so distant from being Canadian, especially if you live in Western Canada. So people who just make that statement have no idea of the connection between the two countries, much like how people aren't really aware of the the connection to First Nations people, which we finally uh, had a really good tie-in for this week, which I appreciate and fully support. So anything else to add about this actually decent like? Um, yeah, definitely better than Sudbury. Um, it was a bit weird to, uh, see a trampoline task in Saskatoon, but, uh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll bounce with that. Uh, and there's actually not too many specific joke notes other than, than Brent's, uh, flight time, uh, references. It's, yeah, it was a, wish there was just a little bit more to this round that was comedic, but, I guess when you have Sean's pit stop entrance, maybe that's all you need. I think the highlight of maybe the entire season, actually, is going to be Sean's pit stop entrance. I think I'm already feeling the absence of Nick and Sabrina. Maybe that's the big takeaway for this week, is that I just can't help but think that Nick and Sabrina would have probably had some unintentional comedic moment that would have had me laughing out loud on my couch. I think Sabrina at the trampoline task (laughs) might have been that moment. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you just gotta bounce love <laughs> come on Amore hmm. or Sabrina doing the hoop dance as well would have been quite entertaining I suspect yeah she may have she may have not been allowed back on uh, First Nations land after that oh that would have been amazing <laughs> just the thought of Sabrina doing the trampoline task they would have picked Nate for that task let's be honest so Thank you very much for joining us. We'll be back next week for another Amazing Race Canada episode. If you enjoyed the show, and even if you didn't, please give us a like on the video. Subscribe to us on the iTunes. And if you want to see what we're rolling about this week, our Twitters are in every description ever. And if you missed our interview with Michael Michelle from Amazing Race 26, that is also available on iTunes, which you can find linked in the video if you're watching via the video. Thank you again. Hashtag 250, hashtag super kawaki, hashtag Yattencast. Peace. Peace out. Eight